enjoyed that and thank you for your support in that God has been good to us so praise the Lord for that well it's great to be with you this morning great to be with Philip and Kelly again uh, we've just enjoyed Isaac had a sleepover last night and I think he enjoyed that so it's great to be with them once again and lovely to be with you here this morning I want to share a few thoughts with you I won't take too long but just want to share some thoughts with you this morning over the last while in Norwich I've been talking quite a bit about from moving from the house to the field. The house, sometimes we talk about the house being the house of God here where, where we, we celebrate and we, we, we meet up on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, whatever days you happen to meet in here. And Looking at the program over Christmas, there'll be many times you'll enjoy fellowship here together with your ugly sweater. I don't, I don't think I have any ugly sweaters, actually. I, I think I, I'm not... Do I, Kath? Do I have one or two? Maybe I could borrow one of my wife's if I was ever here for that. <laughs> there you go. But uh, you're going to be here and enjoying good fellowship here in the house. But let's face it, most of our time is spent outside of here. Most of our time is spent in our home or in our work. If you're a working person this morning, if you're privileged to have a job in these tough economic times that God has blessed you with a job, and you probably spend about a third of your time at work, a third of your time at home, and, and, and all, a third of your time sleeping, I guess. <laughs> hopefully, if you get some good sleep as well. But hopefully, you know, you spend a lot of your time out in the field. And I've been thinking about that recently. But this morning, I want to read a verse to you. And I've brought a King James version this morning, which I very rarely use. I was brought up on on the NIV and tend to use the new King James, but I'm actually going to read from the message. So has that confused you enough so far? It's um, from 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and from verse 12 to 18. If you have your Bible, follow along. I'm reading from the message, so unless you've got that one, this may not sort of sound familiar to you. But it's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 12 to 18. And I just want to read this to you. We're not, understand, putting ourselves in a league with those who boast that they're our superiors. We wouldn't dare do that. This is Paul, by the way, writing to the church in Corinth. But in all this comparing and grading and competing, they quite miss the point. We aren't making outrageous claims here. We're sticking to the limits of what God has set for us. But there can be no question that those limits reach to and include you. We're not moving into someone else's territory. We were already there with you, weren't we? We were the first ones to get there with the message of Christ, right? So how can there be any question of overstepping our bounds by writing or visiting you? We're not barging in on the rightful work of others, interfering with their ministries, demanding a place in the sun with them. What we're hoping for is that as as your lives grow in faith, you'll play a part within our expanding work. And we'll all still be within the limits God sets as we proclaim the message in countries beyond Corinth. 
But we have no intention of moving in on what others have done and taking credit for it. If you want to claim credit, claim it for God. What you say about yourself means nothing in God's work. It's what God says about you that makes the difference. And my text is actually from the NIV, and I want to read it to you. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13. Here's what the New International Version says. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us, a field that reaches even to you. Now, most translations don't use the word field. I've used it because I've been preaching about the field. Probably your version says something like the sphere that God has you working in. And there are three little sections I want to bring to you this morning. So just bear with me as I I go through these. It, It falls very neatly. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned a field that reaches even to you. Do you know there, there are some limitations that we have? We can do all things through Christ. The Bible says, Paul himself says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He writes that to the people in Philippi. But in the same book, he talks about the chains that restrict him. Did you know that? In the, writing in the very same letter, he says, I can do all things. I can do anything. But then he talks about being in chains for Christ where there are certain restrictions on his life. Did you know that there are some restrictions placed on your lives? There's some things you'll never do. And it's because God has put limitations on your life. That's not a negative thing. That's actually quite a positive thing. If you came in here, if Philip, for example, as pastor of the church, was able to do absolutely everything, let me tell you what would happen. You would say to him, hey, Philip, we're paying you. Go do everything. That's what would happen. I was brought up in the Methodist church in Ireland. I was trained in the Meth- to, be, to be a Methodist minister. That's what I, when I started off my training. And I was trained all sorts of things. Even did a class in flower arranging. Would you believe that? Went to When I was at college, I did Ikebana. That's Japanese form of flower arranging. Now, I don't remember a thing about it. But the idea was you train a man to do everything. The problem is he comes in, then he becomes the monkey at the front and say, hey, do tricks for us and we'll throw you stuff if you do them well enough. But the truth is God has put some limitations over your life. Have you noticed that your limitations change as you get older? Have any of you, have you ever noticed that? I, I didn't have to carry these a couple of years ago. These are called glasses. And I, I just find that, that things have gone out of focus. Did any of you, any of you else in that same... Is that an age thing? I guess it must be an age thing. But I, Kathy, sometimes when we go, when I go and do the shopping, you know, I take my mobile, my cell phone with me because my memory's not too great. So if I've got more than five things on a list and they're not written down, there's no way I'm going to remember them when I get to Walmart. So I have to ring her up. But she'll say, get something and make sure, you know, check the ingredients. Now, I can't even see on the back of the tin where the ingredients are. Never mind. Read. The, any of else of you like that? Is that, is that why advertisers put things in small print. I just, I just can't. Now that's a restriction that has come into my life. I've also discovered that I try to do exercise. I go running as often as I can. But I remember a few years ago, we did a, a sort of a, a, an outreach in North Yorkshire where we used to live. It was called Event in the Tent. We had a big, big marquee and we ran these outreach meetings. And I ran down to it one day and there was a fence just outside the tent. And I thought to myself, I'm sure I could jump that fence. Have any of you ever done this? You know, when you do it, it feels really good. When you don't do it, and I didn't do it, 
Now, when I was younger, I knew that didn't look that high to me, but somehow my leg caught it on the way over. And then you pray that nobody saw you do that when you fall and look totally ridiculous, sprawled all over the floor. So some things, restrictions come as you get older. But there are also some things that really you just weren't built for. Some of you were probably very good at maths when, uh, math when you were in school. Some of you may be very good at, at speaking English, though I doubt it coming from America. But that's another story. Sorry, that was rude. Forgot. Wind that little bit back on, on the tip. But, uh, you know, English, English is a language that... Um, All right, I'm not going any further with that. But there are some restrictions that are built into us. Some things we're really good at, some things we're not good at. And when you look at the Scriptures, you'll find that actually God places restrictions. And here's one of the most amazing ones. If you've got a Bible, well, I'll read it to you anyway, but it's Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 40. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the great heroes of faith. And it talks about them. Some of them were sawn in two. Some of them were killed. Some of them, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, had great ministries. But at the end of Hebrews chapter 11, before it goes into Hebrews 12, it says something amazing about them. It says not one of them received what had been promised. Have you seen that in your Bible? Not one of them received it. But then it says, together with you together with us. So the truth is this, in, in Scripture, we all need each other. Did you know that Abraham needs you? Crumbs, isn't that a bit weird? Moses needs you. Isaac needs you. Because only when you've taken your part and we are presented before God, only then will he be made complete. Isn't that amazing? So we're in this relay race. And there are limitations that God placed on his people that together we're called to do this thing. God never intended us to do it on our own. When you read through the Old Testament, you'll find that regularly God sends people out in groups. In the New Testament, it's almost universal. Jesus chose 12 people. And do you know the reason that he chose them? When you read the scriptures where, where it says Jesus chose 12 disciples, the first thing it says about them was he chose 12 so that they might be with him. And then he tells them what to do. The first reason God chose you is so that you would know him and be with him. Isn't that fantastic? I find that absolutely incredible. Jesus sent them out two by two. You have Peter and John, Barnabas and Saul, and then Paul and Silas, Timothy and Luke. The reasons for that is that we have some limitations placed on our lives. When you read through one, a, a very interesting and, and difficult book to understand is the book of Job, one of the oldest books in the Bible. In Job chapter 38, it says, from verse 8, it says, He set limits for the sea. God spoke to the universe, to the world, to the sea, and said, you can go this far and no further. God set limits for the sea. In Job chapter 1, he set limits for the devil. He said, you see, whenever Job was tempted by the devil, actually when you read the scripture, it looks like God put the idea in the devil's mind and said, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil said to God, well, he, he only praises you because you do so many good things for him. So God says, okay, I'll allow you to come and I'll allow you to change some of the circumstances, but don't lay a finger on him. I'm putting limits on you. And so he does that. And his family is destroyed. His possessions are destroyed. And still he praises God. And so God says to the devil again, have you considered my servant Job? Job says, hey, you won't let me touch the guy. 
He's only blessing you because you're putting good things into his life. That's the only reason he is praising you today. And so God says, okay, you can touch him, but his life you will not take. You must not take his life. And so then he gets covered in boils and stuff like that. But God was the one who set limits for the devil. That's very important for us to understand that. He sets limits for man. Job chapter 14, verse 5, it says that man's days are determined. He sets limits over us. And we need to recognize, first of all, from this scripture, that we have both potential and we have limits. When you look through the New Testament, you'll find in the different passages that talks about the gifts of the Spirit. In Christ, we who are many form one body. Each member belongs to the other. You belong to each other this morning. Look at the person next to you and say this, I belong to you. You belong to me. Now, those of you who are married and looking into your sweetheart's eyes, that has on a whole new meaning. And if you're getting married today, that's a totally different kettle of fish altogether. But God has put limitations on our life. My, my verse is this. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned for us. God has got a particular ministry for you. When Moses said to God, who will I say sent me? He said to him, what's in your hand? What is it that's in your hand? And for Moses, that was a staff. As you know, he had a staff because he was a shepherd. And in the Old, Old Testament, you'll find this very specifically. Moses uses that rod, his staff, many, many times. Now, I was reading just a couple of weeks ago in Exodus chapter 35. And there's a fantastic passage in there about the tabernacle and about the people who were involved in building the tabernacle. And when you read through that whole chapter, you'll find that if you compare it to the church, you'll find that there's one word that comes frequently throughout the chapter. And it's this word, the word willing. The word willing. And you're a blessed church if you have willing people. If yesterday, this, this beautiful work that was done, and we love, Kathy and I, we walked in this morning and said, isn't this beautiful? It is absolutely beautiful. But yesterday, those of you who did that work, I don't know because I, I don't live here. But I imagine that you did the work willingly. If you came, if somebody rang you during the week and said, Oh, I'd love you. Could, could you. could you help? I said, No, no, I'm busy. And said, Oh, please. Oh, but, but I'm busy. I've got some, No, please, please come. If that was the way we're running church, trying to cajole and convince people to do things, that's hard work. Isn't it hard when, when, and I mean, for me, my personality gives up then actually. Because if somebody says no to me, I'll say, Well, okay. We'll do it without you. And that's the way my personality works. But it's hard work if you've got to. But in Exodus 35, look what it says. Exodus 35, verse 5. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. I love that. From what you have, take an offering to the Lord. Everyone who is willing, from what you have. In our giving this morning, in your giving message this morning, God has blessed us. It's been a tough time economic, economically for the United States, as it has for the United Kingdom. But from what you have, give to the Lord. And when we give what we have, there'll be enough. When you read through this, this passage, Exodus 35, verse 35, it says, God has filled the people with skill to do all kinds of work. Exodus 36, verse 2, every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come to do the work. See that? Exodus 36, 6 and 7, the people were restrained from bringing more 
because what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work. Can you imagine, Philip, getting to the stage, we've got to say to people, stop, hey, your gifts and your offerings, they're too much, stop bringing them. I won't ever do that because I know that, that in the ministry I'm involved in overseas, it's like sometimes throwing a, a, just a drop in, in a bucket, you know, and there's always need for more. But can you imagine in the situation where they're building the tabernacle, they have too much to do the job, and the, the leaders have to say, hey, guys, stop, don't give any more. You've given far too much. Can you imagine that, that today? Exodus 39:43. Moses inspected the work and saw that they'd done it just as the Lord had commanded. So Moses blessed them. We've got to make sure that in our churches, we don't push people into, into churchy alone gifts. You know, sometimes I've been guilty of wanting to create Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, uh, choir members, and all of that. But actually, God has blessed each one of you with different gifts. And some of your gifts might be working in business. Some of your gifts might be working in the secular workplace where God has put you. And maybe your time puts such demands on you that the commitment you make to church is less than maybe others do. That's okay. Because maybe God has you in a particular place. God wants people in politics. God wants people in the education system. God wants people in the law system. God wants people everywhere so we can infiltrate every part of society. And we need to recognize that God has done that for you. But look at the third part of my verse, and it's what I want to emphasize this morning. Here, let me read it to you again. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us, a field that reaches even to you. I don't know if you've ever, when you were in school, do you remember back to when you were in school? Did you ever organize yourselves in school to play, I don't know, you maybe played football, American football, or played baseball, and organize your own games? Have you ever had this scenario where when you're in the playground and two people are chosen, one to be the leader of one team, one to be the leader of the other team, and he chooses first or she chooses first, then it's her turn. Then they choose, they choose, they choose, they choose. Have you ever been in that scenario? Have you ever been in the place, though, wherever, whenever they get to, they've chosen everybody that they want, but you're still standing there? And so one generous person, leader, says, you can have all the rest. But if you're in that place, it's not a very nice place to be, is it? Is it really? You know, you can have, I really don't value you very much, but I suppose I better, I better have you anyway. When I read this verse... Paul says we're not going to boast beyond our proper you know, field that God has called us into, a field that reaches even to you. It's almost, when I read it, it's almost like a, an insult to the Corinthian people. Now, it's not, but I want to explain it to you. But it can seem almost like that. People have, have they ever said this? Well, I appreciate what you've done. I appreciate what you've done, John, Joe, um, Alistair, and Bernadette. I've appreciated all you've done. Even you, Kingsley, I've appreciated what you've done. I think, well, even even me? Well, don't don't you really appreciate? No, no, even you. I I like you. I I like you, John. I I, I like you, Engelbert. And I like you, Krista. And and I even like you, Kingsley. Uh, You even, even like me? And, and sort of it can almost seem as a, a sort of a little bit of a, a put down. And Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, hey, we've been called into this field, a field that, that brought us even to you, even to you. Now, where I'm going with this this morning is I want you to think as a congregation and as an individual today, God calls us to different places. 
And God calls us to different groups of people. And every one of us this morning, every single one of us this morning, from the youngest to the oldest, has got a different group of people. Did you know that? Even if you're married to somebody, unless you live at home with a towel over your head and never move, you've got a different group of people than your husband or your wife has, than your children has. If you're a housewife and you drive your children to school every morning or you drive them to the bus, you'll meet a group of mothers or fathers every day that your husband or wife partner will never meet because they're maybe off to work in a different direction. They go to their workplace. They maybe talk about some of the people that they work with, but you might never, ever meet them. It's a different circle of people. If you're unemployed this morning, you don't have a job, you will meet a different group of people depending on where you spend your time. If you go to the local Dollar Tree, you'll meet a different group of people. If you go down to Walmart, all of us meet a totally different group of people, though we intersect like the old Venn diagrams in school, we intersect at different places. And so some of, us, some of us have got common people that we will meet that maybe all of us know, but there will be a different group for each one of us this morning. Isn't that true? That's the way it is in our lives. In our ministries, how fixed has God set, set us in our ministries? Has God said to you, this is what your ministry is, and that's where you've got to stay? When I read in Acts and read about the Ethiopian eunuch who is, is uh, on his way to Jerusalem, and the reason he's gone to Jerusalem is he's desperately seeking God. That's why he went to Jerusalem. He is one of the high officials tre- in the treasury of Candace in Ethiopia, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's asked if he can take some time, go to, the, go to Jerusalem, because he's heard that God is there. And so he wants to meet with God. That's his reason for being there. But he doesn't meet God. And he goes away disappointed. And on his way back, he's on the, ro- the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he's in his chariot. And he's, he's got a scroll. A very wealthy man. He's got a scroll. And he's, he's looking through the scroll of Isaiah. And he's probably praying and saying, God, I don't understand this. I went to Jerusalem to meet with you. I didn't find you there. Here's your word. And I don't understand it. Please send somebody to me. So they can explain it to me. Just at that moment, a man comes running. Why? Because God has spoken to a guy called Philip. Do you know what Philip's job was? He was a deacon. His job as a deacon was to wait on the table and to to, uh, help with the feeding for widows and orphans and to look after people. That was his job. But God spoke to him and says, I want you to go and I want you to travel along the road from Jerusalem to, to, you know that with Jerusalem to Gaza. And I want you to go to that road and you'll meet a chariot there. So when he sees the chariot, and by the way, the road is going one way. He's going from a different direction. It wasn't like he's walking along the same road or he's, so he's bound to meet him. There was actually only one opportunity he could have met the guy because they were cross-sectioning the road. Isn't that amazing? So God took him and says, now I want you to go now. Philip went immediately. And he sees this chariot, shouts up to the guy, and and, uh, they introduce each other. And the fellow says, hey, I'm reading from the scroll of Isaiah, but I haven't a clue. Philip says, would you like me to explain it to you? And the Bible says he started just where that man was from the scroll of Isaiah, explained to him that this was the Christ. This was the one he was searching for. This is the one he went to Jerusalem to find out about. Led him to the Lord, stopped at a pool, baptized him. The man went back to Ethiopia rejoicing because he'd found what he'd looked for. But you know, the amazing thing in the story was that a man called Philip, 
who went even to you. He went even to the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, do you get where I'm coming from at this verse that I've read to you today? Paul says, I'm not going to boast beyond the limitations God set for me. I'm not going to go beyond the field that was assigned to me. A field that extends even to you. And Philip, if he was reading this verse, would say, even to you, Ethiopian eunuch. But he was open to what God said. Now, when I looked into the background of this scripture, just follow with me here for a little moment. Because Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing from prison, but he's writing to the church, I believe. He's writing to the church in Corinth. Now, when he first went to Corinth, let me just give you a little bit of background here. When he went to the church in Corinth, it's in Acts chapter 18. But in Acts chapter 17, he's been in a place called Athens. Athens is in Greece. When he got into Athens, he saw an altar, and an inscription underneath it. And it said, to the unknown God. Now, you know about Athens and in Greece. In, in, at this particular time, the Greeks were the philosophers. They talked about philosophy and all the latest ideas and all of that. And he saw this altar to the unknown God. And the Bible says that when Paul saw that, he spoke to the people and he started to explain to them about the unknown God. But he argued to them philosophically. He said, he started to explain in him we live and move and and have our being. And then when he got to the bit about Jesus, about a bit about who the unknown God was, the Bible says that they got angry with him and they kicked him out of the city. When he left Corinth, when he left Athens, the next city he went to was Corinth. Are you with me? Now, when he went to Corinth, if you read the first chapter in the first letter to the book of in Corinthians, to the book of Corinthians to the people in Corinth, when you read that first chapter, let me give you and remind you of what it what it says. He he's, well, yeah. Let, let me remind you what it says. One Corinthians one verse eighteen. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He wrote to them, he says, not many of you are wise by human standards. Why? Because he'd come from Athens where everybody thought they were brilliant and everybody was wise. He said, he came along, he says, not many of you are wise. Not many of you are clever. Not many of you. And he says, I'm not going to come to you with clever and wise words. Why did he say that? And when you understand the context of this, it makes one Corinthians different. He says, I'm not going to come to you with clever arguments. I've given up on clever arguments. They don't work. Clever arguments don't work. But he says, I'm going to come, I'm going to preach Christ and him crucified. It'll be a stumbling block to some, but to those who are being saved, it's the very power of God. So he says, I don't come with you with wise words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 1 and in 1 Corinthians 2. And the importance of that for us this morning is that this is the people he was talking about when he says, I came even to you. When he went, when Paul preached from time to time, remember when he went to Philippi? Why did he go to Philippi? He was going to go to Troas and other places. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit stopped him. 
And then in the middle of the night, he has a dream. And the dream of a man from Macedonia who says, come over and help us. We need you. And so he changed his plans in the middle of the night. The Bible says he concluded that God had called them to go to Philippi. And so in the middle of the night, he changed his plans. Why I've been preaching over these last month or two about from the house to the field is that if we have all our plans so sewn up and so clever and so organized and everything set from the beginning to the end. Oh, I'm an organized person. Don't get me wrong. I believe in having. I introduced in, in North Yorkshire an order of service when we, so we started. We knew where we were going. That's sure. But at the end of the day, if this isn't what God wants, it's got to fall. And I've got to say, hey, God, just have your way today. And the moment we miss that, we become the ones who are in charge, and life becomes incredibly boring. Our Christian experience becomes incredibly boring. And Paul wrote to them, he said, I'm not going to boast beyond any the limitations God has put on us or the field that God has assigned to us. But let me tell you this, this field stretches even to you. I didn't know it was going to go to you, but it arrived at you. Why? Because Athens threw me out. And he doesn't say that in that verse, but that's what happened. But I came to you. And when I came to you, I'd made up my mind that when I came to you, I was not going to come with clever words. Now, if you read through the rest of Acts chapter 18, you'll discover when he came into Corinth, he first of all went to the synagogue and he started to preach in the synagogue. And very little happened. A few people responded. But then in verse 7 of Acts chapter 18, it says he went next door to another household. When he got into next door, the entire household received Christ. And he stayed there for 18 months, a year and a half. He stayed there. Why? Because God woke him up in the middle of the night and said, hey, don't worry about anything that's going to go on in this place. I have many people in this city. And I want you to stay here because I've got many people in this city. I have earmarked people in the city who will be saved. I want you to stay here. I want you to extend your ministry even to this city because I have my hand on them and I have called them. And so this morning, a couple of things in this that I feel that are, are very important to you as a church this morning, and it's this, is that people will not be convinced by wise and persuasive words. People will not be talked into the kingdom. If they are talked into the kingdom, what we end up with is a people who respond in a way that, that has, has just tweaked their intellect, but not moved their heart. And so if all we ever have is a group of people who have made a response because they think it is a good idea, then when they hear a better idea, they will move on somewhere else. What brings you in will bring you out. What has brought you into the Lord will bring you out again if it's not the power of God. Because you will hear there is always somebody cleverer. There is always somebody more handsome. There is always somebody who will do something more for you if you let it. I wear a wedding ring. It, it, it is my commitment to my wife. We've been married 27 years. And we are just as crazy about each other today as when we first got married. That's just the way it is. Thought I'd throw that into you this morning. But that's just the way it is. But this is my commitment level to her and, and to me. We wear a ring. It's a sign of, of eternity. It's something that will last, and we believe in God that it will. But it doesn't mean that she's not going to see somebody who's more attractive than me. There's one or two out there that are. 
Uh, you didn't have to laugh at that point, but I, I, uh, I appreciate the humor. But it's true. There will always be somebody more attractive. There will always be somebody more intellectual. There will always be something better. There will always be a church that will do it better than your church does it. Now listen to me. Those of you who are American this morning, there will always be some church that will do it better than your church. Because that's the way it is in life. And if we forever are looking to see who does it the best, I believe the Bible calls us to bloom where we are planted. And at the end of the day, we are called to be wherever we are called to be. And you are called to be part of this place. This is where you are. You don't jump ship when you see somebody flying a prettier flag down the road. We have words for that over in England, but I'll not express them to you in case they don't translate very well. But we've got to be committed. But you see, for your ministry, it extends to something. Now, what does that mean for you this week in Baton Rouge? Well, it means that maybe somebody on your radar this week who you've never spoken to before, maybe when you're, you're lining up in Walmart, and I'm not going to talk about the till anymore. Philip told me that. When you're lined up or wherever in Walmart, or when you're buying your gas or whatever it is, or you're standing at, at the school gates, there may be somebody that you've never talked to before. Mothers, when you're dropping your children off at school, or if they go on the bus, I don't know. But if you go to the school gates and you drop them off, there's somebody there who you've never talked to before. Could it be that God wants your ministry to extend even even to them. So that in your life this morning, there becomes an even to you. You didn't expect that person to be someone that you would have to talk to. You you have nothing in common with them. You have nothing to identify perhaps with them. But just like Paul said in his testimony here, I'm not going to go beyond the field God assigned to me, but that field extended even to you. Just as Philip said to the Ethiopian eunuch, or, or could have said to the Ethiopian eunuch, he hadn't intended going there, but his field extended even to him. And that opened up a new continent. Can you imagine what God could do if all of us this week said to God and acted out with Him, being led by the Holy Spirit, and said to Him this week, I'm going to extend my life even to somebody else who I've never met before, never spoken to before, never talked to before. It's very easy for Kathy and I very simply because we've, we speak a different language over here. And so peop, and people in America are very friendly on the whole. I've actually, I've, it's been different this year. I've found people either extremely friendly or extremely unfriendly. I've had quite a division this, this year. I don't know what that is. Maybe some people are fed up, but I found some people very unfriendly. But on the whole, people in America are very friendly and very warm. But they are to us because when they hear the accent, they pick up on the accent. You know, and, and I've had people come. I've had two families in the last, in, in Cracker Barrel, start talking just, are, are, you, are you from Ireland? And, and, oh, I love Ireland. You know, it's my homeland. Never had this sort of stuff. And, and so it's easy for us because we're different. And that opens up opportunities for us. But if you're living in your own town where you've been brought up with the same people, you're going to have to make those opportunities. So you're extending even to you means you're going to have to say to God in the morning, God, this week, 
I'm going to extend to somebody else. We've been asking God. I asked God when we came over here. We're over here for four weeks. And I've been asking God to help me extend out to some different people. Talk to some different people. And bring the Lord into the conversation with different... Obviously, everybody, nearly everybody I meet is different for me. And so it's easy. I'll never have to see them again. But could you imagine? See, the thing about it is this. I believe that God is not willing that one person should perish. I believe that means everybody in Baton Rouge and in the whole area. If that is the truth, then every single person we meet potentially not only needs to, but wants to know Jesus. The problem is many of them don't maybe think they'll find it in church. And so many of them on their plan and their radar will never be to come to church. But you are their church for a small moment of time. And God has sent you out from your Athens, maybe, into your Corinth, where your ministry will extend even to them. I try where possible over in the UK. I very rarely go through, when I get my groceries with Kathy, ever stopped. I very rarely don't talk to people. I've made it my business to get in people. They think it's because I'm Irish, because I'm nosy. and That's fine. If they want to think that, that's fine. I don't mind why they think what they think. But I've made it my business to try and get into people's lives. Because over in the UK, about 2% go to church. That's shocking, isn't it? The place that sent out more missionaries than anybody. About 2% goes to church. So they're never going to, no matter how beautiful our house will be, in, when we build our new church, no matter how beautiful it will be, I would be a crazy optimist to think that the majority of people in Norwich will ever want to come to it. No, they'll not. They'll not. It's not on their thinking at all. So I'm going to have to enter their world. And I pray for you this morning that you will enter the world of somebody else this week so that you can then make your testimony like Paul. He'd say, hey, I'm not going to boast beyond the, the limitations God has placed on me. I won't go beyond the field God has assigned to me. But that field extended even to John and to Mary and to Carlos and to whoever extends to them. Shall we pray together? Let's pray. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.